When he came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately he was cured of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Jesus did some things during his lifetime that um, caused us to, to stop for a minute and wonder why he said what he said. And this is one of those times. Now this man was a leper, and uh, Jesus cleansed him of his leprosy. And then he told the man not to tell anybody what he was doing, but go and to the priest and, and offer the sacrifices that were necessary. Now, the man was facing a period of sometime, something like eight days of worship and eight days of uh, a going through a ritual before he was completely cleansed according to the Old Testament law. But Jesus said, don't say anything. And yet, the man went out and told everyone. And in Mark chapter 1, verse 45, it says, He went out and began to publish it much, and to blaze abroad the matter, insomuch as Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was outside in the desert places, and they came to him from every quarter. Not only did he go tell it, he went out and blazed it abroad. He let everybody know the interesting thing about this incident is that Jesus asked the leper not to share that information. Don't share the information that he'd been healed. This seems to go counter to the reason why Jesus was here. It seems as if what he was doing, Jesus would have wanted everyone to know what he was about, the things that, that was transpiring in his life. But uh, he... He, did, he told this man not to tell anyone. Now just file that away in the back of your mind for just a minute. Because when John the Baptist sent his disciples to Jesus, and he asked, the, he asked them to ask him the question, are you the one that should come, or should, should we look for another? In other words, they were asking a question about what's going on. And what Jesus told them, he said, go and tell John that the blind receive their sight and the deaf hear and the dead are raised and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. So he told the disciples of John, go and tell John that all of these wonderful things were happening. But he told this leper, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anyone. On various occasions, Jesus told his disciples that they should tell other people what he was doing. On other occasions. Matthew chapter 10, verse 26, for instance, he said, do this. He said, fear not them, therefore, there's nothing covered that shall not be revealed. So what I'm telling you at this point is that Jesus was not in a secret cabal. He was not in a secret organization. He did not come surreptitiously trying to keep himself from being identified. He was not trying to organize a group of people that were elite and secretive and in a society that couldn't be seen. As a matter of fact, he said, I want people to know 
that I'm here and what I'm doing. That's what he said here. He said, there's nothing that, that was hidden that would not be revealed. And he said, what I tell you in darkness, this is Matthew 10, 26, that speak in the light and what you hear in the ear, go preach on the housetop. All right. He told them that the, what they were saying and doing, the disciples and those who were following him, should be open and obvious. Everyone should see what he was doing and hear what he was saying. All right? Luke chapter 12, verse 2 says, There's nothing covered. That's what Jesus is saying now. There's nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hidden that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever you have spoken, whatsoever you have heard spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and what you have spoken in the ear in the closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. Everybody is going to know. That's what he's saying. In John 18, verse 20, to the high priest, when Jesus was brought into custody, and they were questioning him, you know what he said? He said, I spoke openly to the world. He said, I did not come in secret. I spoke openly to the world. I taught in the synagogue and in the temple where the Jews always resort, and in secret I have done nothing. I said nothing. But he told the leper, don't tell anybody. Do not tell anyone. He compared his life activities to lighting a candle. Now think about this. In Luke 8, chapter, 6, chapter 8, verse 16 and 17, he said, No man, when he has lighted a candle, covered it with a vessel or put it under a bed, but sets it on a candlestick, that they which enter in may see the light. Now that would be exactly opposite of what we would think if he was trying to do things in secret. He's saying, let everybody see what you're doing and hear what you're saying. And he, he likened it to a light and a candlestick and putting it in a room and not putting a cover over it. So why would he tell this man, don't tell anybody what I did? Again, he said, Matthew 10, 27, he said, What you've heard in darkness, speak in the light. What you hear in the ear, preach upon the housetops. And he told, the, to, uh, Paul told the governor, Roman governor Festus, when he was called in a question, he told uh, Festus, he said, The king knows of all these things. He's talking about Jesus now. Before whom I also speak freely. For I'm persuaded that none of these things were hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. Jesus did not sneak around doing anything. He did everything in the open, in the public eye. All right? And he told his disciples, Whatever I tell you, I want you to tell, and I want you to tell others about me. Okay? In, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and 33, he says, Whatsoever, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. Whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before, before my Father which is in heaven. And yet there are instances in his life, just like the one we read in Matthew chapter 8, when he asked for anonymity. Do not tell anybody about me. This, this becomes sort of a, a puzzle to us, in a way. 
In Mark chapter 1, verse 23 through 25, it says, There was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What, what do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Are you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold your peace. Shut up. That's what he told him. Hold your peace. Don't tell anyone this. That's what he said. Don't say anything. Mark chapter 3, verse 11, when he was in Judea, an unclean spirit, when they saw him, it was unclean spirits, fell down before him and cried, saying, You are the Son of God. And he strictly charged them that they should not make him known. Okay. He actually told them, don't tell anybody that. He was the Son of God and that he was the Christ. Don't tell anybody that. He told a blind man near the town of Bethsaida that, uh, to whom he restored his sight. Now watch what's going on. He, he, was, he told these evil demons or these false demons not to say anything. Yet he, he uh, told a blind man near the town of Bethsaida to whom he restored his sight, he told him the same thing. Mark chapter 8, verse 22 through 26, he said, He came to Bethsaida. They brought a blind man unto him and, brought, and uh, besought him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and he said, I see men as trees walking. And after that, he put his hands again on his eyes and made him look up, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go to the town, nor tell it to anyone in the town. Don't go to town, and don't tell anyone in town. A blind man. He cautioned two blind men to do the same thing again. Mark chapter 9, verse 27 through 31 when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said unto them, Believe you that I am able to do this? And they said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your flesh, to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. Don't tell it. But they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all the country. After healing a person near the Sea of Galilee who was deaf, he advised him this way again. Mark chapter 7, verse 32 through 37. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment of speech, and they besought him to put his hands upon him. He took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears and spit and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said unto him, Epatha, that is, be opened, and straightway his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spoke plainly. And he charged them that they should tell no man, but the more he charged them, the so much the more great deal they published it, and were beyond measure astonished, saying, He has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Again, he told these people, Don't say anything about it. During this time frame, he, uh, he healed a, a man by the name of Jairus. He healed his daughter. And not, as a matter of fact, not only healed him, he raised her from the dead. Remember, he came into the town, 
And as he's passing through the crowd, a, a lady who had an a issue of blood for several years reached out and touched his garment and he healed her. Then he went on in the house of Jairus and by that time everybody's saying, it's no use. They sent messengers to Jairus and said, it's no use, she's dead. When he came into the house, he said, she's not, Jesus said, she's not dead. And they ridiculed him and laughed him to scorn. But he took the parents, husband and wife, Jairus and his wife, to the upper chamber where the girl was. And he raised her from the dead. And then in Luke 8, verse 56, his parents were astonished. But he charged them that they should tell no man what was done. Don't tell anybody. You know, this begins to make you wonder, what's going on? Why is he telling people not to say anything about it? Well, we know what he told, why he told the demons. You don't, want, you don't want a liar telling your story, do you? If you've done something, if you're, if you're going to be uh, in front of people and wanting to gain their confidence, you don't want a liar standing up and saying, I know this person. You can trust them. So he, he didn't want that. But these were ordinary people. Now, he was talking to ordinary individuals, common folks like us. People that trusted in God and trusted that God was working through this man named Jesus. It's apparent that they did not sense any reason why they should not tell it. The leper, Jesus said, don't say anything. He went out and blazed it abroad. The blind men, don't say anything. Don't even go into town, he told one. Don't go to town and tell anybody. He did anyway. He couldn't restrain them from doing what they, saying what they saw, telling what, what happened to them. But you have to remember that there's probably a reason why Jesus was telling them this. And I, I want to tell you what I believe the reason was. That when they went out talking about Jesus, they were endangering their livelihood and their lives. Did you know that? He was, he was thinking about their welfare. Jesus did not come to this earth to put people in jeopardy and in peril of their lives. He came to save lives. But he knew that he had enemies lurking, looking for an opportunity to take his life. And he also knew that he had enemies who would take the lives of those who believed in him. So Jesus is telling these people for their safety and for their benefit, don't go tell people what happened. Don't tell them. Now, in Mark chapter 9 at verse 34, it says the Pharisees, when they saw Jesus, they said he's casting out devils through the prince of the devils. Therefore, when you think about it, if a person said he cast a devil out of me or he healed my blindness or my hearing, what would they think? That they were the ones that were on the side of the devil and they then would be aligned with the demons that the Pharisees were opposed to. It's complicated. Their animosity toward Jesus would be extended to those who would confess that they knew him. Now we know this, this was the case. Remember, there was a man <clears throat> that was uh, blind. The account is found in John chapter 9. He was, he was blind and Jesus came up to him and he healed his blindness. And the man didn't even know Jesus. 
And uh, when he when he finished, the Pharisees and the and the priests came along, and the and the lawyers, and they were questioning, wondering, who did this? And the man didn't even know who he was that healed him. So then they they got the they they began to question whether or not he had been healed from his blindness. You remember that? They even went to the parents. They said, "Who did this?" And you know what? The parents were afraid to tell them because in John chapter nine verse twenty-two it says the parents said they feared the Jews for the Jews agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ he would be put out of the synagogue. Now, when you're put out of the synagogue, that meant that you were put out of the society. You were put, you were separated from your livelihood. These people were close-knit community. If you were put out of the synagogue, people did not sell anything to you. They did not buy anything from you. They did not talk to you. They did not associate with you. You were a pariah as far as they were concerned. You were cast out. They were afraid of that. Matter of fact, the threat of death was, was not unreal with these people if they confessed that they knew Jesus. They tried to kill Jesus once in Luke chapter 4, verse 29, just, just for a little background here. But he said he rose up and uh, they thrust him out of the city. They led him up to a high brow of a hill that they might cast him down headlong. They tried to kill him, but he passed through them. This was after his, he first made his appearance in his own synagogue in, in Nazareth. On three separate occasions, Jesus forewarned his disciples that he was being stalked. That people were laying in wait or lying in wait to take his life. Try to get the mood of, the, of what was going on at that time. He was telling these people that he was he was the one that God sent to save them, asking them to repent. And his enemies were lurking to take his life and the life of those who believed in him. Okay. Matthew 5, or Mark, yeah, Matthew 5 verse 10 says, Blessed are those who were persecuted for righteousness' sake, for those of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus made the warning. You're going to be persecuted when you believe in me. Matthew ten seventeen, he said, Beware of men. They will deliver you up to the synagogues, to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. Matthew 10, verse 38 and 39, here's another warning from Jesus. He that takes not his cross and follows, follows after me is not worthy of me. He that finds his life shall lose it. He that loses his life for my sake shall find it. Now that's, those are ominous words. He's talking to a crowd of people and to his disciples in particular. Your life is going to be in jeopardy because you believe in me. Because you're associated with me. So now why wouldn't he, when he healed a man, tell him, don't go tell everybody? Because that would put that person's life in jeopardy. Think about it just a minute. Jesus came to save. I'm talking to believers now. Jesus came to save the world. He was going to save the world by his death on the cross of Calvary. So if they went if if we go into the grave now because we confess that Jesus is the Christ, we go in knowing with full confidence that we're going to resurrect again because Jesus has washed us from his own blood 
He's going to claim us, and we're okay. We can even we can even die. But these people did not have that promise at that point. If they died, they died without the blood of Jesus. So, do you suppose our Lord is telling these people it's okay to die believing in me before he's even gone to the grave, resurrected again? He's not going to put their lives in jeopardy. He's not going to do it. I don't believe I think that's why he's telling them that. But he did tell some, you're going to have to confess. However, the ones he told that had to confess were his disciples, his close-knit friends. And he, he told them, as a matter of fact, a little later in John chapter 16, at verse 2 and 3, he said, he said you're, you're going to be uh, persecuted, you're going to be put out of the synagogues, and he that kills you will think he's doing God's service. What a statement. Well, now, am I going to go out and tell people what I, that I, something about this man if it's going to get me killed? And that was a very real danger at that point. But these statements were made to, to those who had a real commitment to Jesus. He's not talking to the common, ordinary individual. He's talking to that close coterie of friends, individuals who had committed to him as being the Christ. He's, he's, he's talking to these people. On several occasions, he actually advised his followers to go tell what had been done to them. The man that had... Now, just, just keep this in mind. What I'm trying to do at this point is show you this. That on occasion, Jesus knew that it was dangerous for people to confess that what he had done to them. On other occasions, he knew that they could go tell. And so some, he said, don't tell because that would endanger them. On others, he said, go tell. Because it would, it would work to their advantage. Now, look in Luke chapter 8, verse 37 through 39. This is involving the, the uh, individuals of Gadara. <clears throat> and Jesus had arrived in a boat there. And it said, When the whole multitude of the country of the Gadareans, this is Luke 8, 37 through 39, gathered around about him, besought him to depart from them, for they were taken with great fear. And he went up into the ship and returned back again. Now the man with whom, of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him. Remember Jesus sent the demons into the herd of swine. They went down the hill, drowned. Now this was the guy. Jesus then, the, the people around him said, we, we don't want you around here anymore. They were afraid of him. But the one that had had the demons dispossessed came to him and he said, well, I want to go with you. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your own house. Go to your own house and show, wait a minute, go to your own house and show how great things God has done unto you. Go tell it. Apparently, in my mind, there would be no danger or no peril in him doing that because Jesus said, go tell it. Go tell them. And he went his way and he published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. And you know what? The next time Jesus came to this place, they all gathered around him. But at this point, apparently, there was no danger. But there was danger on several different occasions. Now, Jesus even told his apostles, the twelve select, he even told them, don't tell certain things. One of the things he told them not to tell was that he was the Son of God. 
that he was the Christ. Don't tell that. And don't tell it yet. Let's just let's add that, that word. In Mark chapter 16, verse 20, he charged his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Don't go, don't go tell that. His advice is likely given to consider when and not if they should tell that story. The same thing happened in Matthew chapter 17 at verse 9 when they came down off of the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus had been seen there with Elijah and Moses, remember? And it's, the apostles said, let's build some tabernacles for all three of you. When they came down out of that mountain at verse 9 in Matthew 17, when they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them saying, tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. Okay, before the cross, the story of Jesus was incomplete. Before the cross, the story was not complete. After the cross, after his resurrection, the story was complete and could be told. It could be told that he was the Son of God. It could be told that he was the Christ. But when it was told, it was also carried with it a certain amount of danger, didn't it? Now, before, before he died on the cross, he promised these men, and you can find this in Luke chapter 21, I believe it is, verse 18. He told these men that if they told that story, not a hair of their head would perish. So he gave them immunity. You can go tell the story, but you're not going to die for it at this point. Basically, that's what he's saying. So before he died on the cross, they were protected. They were under God's umbrella of protection. So if they did go tell the story that he was the Christ, not a hair of their head would perish. But at the same time, he's telling them and warning them and warning everybody else that if, if they go and tell that story, if they go, go tell others what he has done, then it's likely that they're going to lose their life for it. So there was a warning there also, wasn't there? Um, in John chapter 16, verse 25, or Matthew 16, verse 25, he said that whosoever takes up his cross and follows me, he said, will lose his life. But he that loses his life shall save it, and he that saves his life will lose it. So there's a... There's a there's a danger here, and at the same time, there's an imperative that they go ahead, and, go ahead and tell the story. The common individual was not given that liberty to tell that story before Jesus died on the cross. They were warned, and that warning was that they might lose their life for it. But after he died on the cross and after he rose from the dead, then he commissioned these people and everybody else to tell the story. And when you tell the story, your life is going to be in peril, basically. But that's what he told them. First of all, he gathered them together and he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. He told them to go into all nations and preach. But he did not give them that, that uh, umbrella of safety when he told them to do that. That umbrella was taken away. Actually, I'm not sure that it is taken away. When you preach that Jesus is the Christ, 
and you put your life in jeopardy, when you do that, then the, the, uh, the offshoot of this is going to be if you die, Jesus has promised that he will resurrect you. Now that promise was not made before his death, burial, and resurrection. He did tell them that he was a resurrection to life. Whosoever believed in him should not perish, have everlasting life. But at the same time, that story had not been completed. So now then, after, they, after his death, burial, and resurrection, the objective is to go tell everyone. There's no worry about the common person because now then, the common person is to tell the story as well. Teach all nations, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. So now then, it's not just the apostles that are to tell the story, but it's the common person without the protection of Jesus saying, don't tell it under this circumstance, tell it under this circumstance. He's saying, tell the story everywhere. Now, the story has to be told. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Romans chapter 10 tells us, how can they hear without a preacher? How can anyone hear the story if they don't hear it from you? Okay, Jesus did not tell you because you have been saved from your sins not to tell anybody else what he had done for you. He didn't tell you that. He told you to go tell the story. Go tell the world about him. You are in danger of your lives sometimes if you tell about Jesus. You may be in danger of your life. I don't know. You may be in danger of your livelihood. That's a possibility. If you love your life more than you love the Lord, or if you love the Lord more than you love your life, then you, there's a, just a fork in the road that you've come to. If you tell the story and you lose your livelihood, Jesus said, you've done it for me, and I will take care of you. Not to worry about it. But telling the story today... It may, there may be no physical danger involved in it. There is in some places. In some places, if you mention the name of Jesus Christ, your life is at stake. You may lose your physical life. You may die. He that confesses me before men, him will I confess before my Father, which is in heaven. What is a man's life? What shall he give for his life? Well, it may be if you tell the story, you're going to lose some popularity. If you tell someone that you believe that Jesus is the Christ, you, you may not be popular. People may not want you in their company, in their neighborhood. Are you willing to go that direction? Are you willing to say, okay, I'll give up my popularity? I don't have to be included in the local events. I don't have to be ask the neighborhood party. I don't have to be included or consulted when some, something has come up in my neighborhood or in my society, in my realm of friends. I don't have to be consulted because people know that I believe in Jesus. That may be. It may be that you lose prestige. Are you willing to lose some prestige to let somebody know that you're, you believe in Jesus? 
You know, that, that's, that's, that's something you, you have to think, think about that because it happens almost daily. That if people think you believe that Jesus is the Christ, they think you're a dumbo. You're going to, lose, you're going to come down in people's sight because you believe in Jesus. You may, believe, you may lose your standing in the community. Standing among your fellow workers. You may lose standing with your boss, with your employees. It's possible if you tell that story. You may lose confidence, someone's confidence. You may lose your reputation for being a hard person. You may lose a lot of things. Are you willing to lose your life to tell the story of Jesus? That's the question. Now, Jesus warned some, don't tell it, because he knew at that time that if they lost their life, they'd just lose their life. They would not have the benefit of his blood. This is what, they were healed, run around and tell everybody, I've been healed. Jesus knew that that put them in peril. And he knows that when you confess his name, that he puts you in peril of losing a great deal of things that this world considers to be very valuable. Are you willing to lose what this world has to offer in order to gain Jesus Christ in your life? Then, well, you know what I want to tell you? I'm going to tell you what Jesus would tell you. Go tell your town. Go tell your neighbors. Tell people. The only way Jesus will be known in your community, perhaps, is because you're going to tell people what you know about Jesus of Nazareth. God give you the courage, give you the confidence, give you the opportunity to tell the story of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let's stand and sing our song.